This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Um, the title of my message this morning as we're kicking off this Broke series is called Ownership, and we're going to talk about that, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you that you help us to understand your principles when we talk about finances in your heart for us and how you see these things, Lord, and let us be willing to give up our ideas and our ideology, Father, for your word and your truth that is already established and is already declared absolute. I thank you for the truth that is found in your word. Help our hearts to be soft and pliable, to be able to receive that seed planted in our hearts, God, that incorruptible seed that nothing will be able to steal that, God, but it will do what it was intended to do. It will produce a great harvest. I thank you for changed hearts and renewed minds today by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I don't have to tell anybody here about the state of our nation or us as individuals here in the nation because, you know, we all have a buy now, pay later mentality. That's been the established culture of our nation and we just have this general thinking of buy now pay later and the question we have to ask ourselves when it comes to this culture that we've developed and this mentality that we've taken on is is this really God's best for me is this God's best for me living in this type of mentality because God's best for me is ultimately going to bring glory to God amen that's the first and foremost. You need to understand that God's best is going to first and foremost bring glory to Him. Any benefit that I receive from it is going to be secondary from the original purpose, which is to bring Him glory. So if it benefits me, then it must glorify Him. Because that's how God has established things. So we need to understand something. Are we approaching our finances in a way that's bringing glory to God? Or have we allowed our mentality and our thought process towards our finances be something that's simply feeding our selfishness and our fears because i got news for you folks god is not american god is god he's not american he is god and, and what i mean by that is more of a culture and a mentality that we have adopted because sometimes we get this idea that being a christian means that i'm an american and being an american means that i'm christian and if the american ideology is somehow God's ideology, then we've got this whole thing messed up. Because it's not. It's not. The American ideology is not God's ideology. We have some values and some principles, definitely, that reflect Him. But so much has changed in our country that we need to understand God's approach to money is not the American dream. In other words, when we say God has blessed me, we say God has blessed me. And what we mean is that God has blessed me according to the American equivalent of success. And that's what we mean a lot of times when we say, oh, I'm blessed. That means I have a lot of stuff a lot of times. That means I have a nice house or I have a great position at the company I work for or I drive a really nice car. So I am blessed because I have stuff. And that's our mentality towards blessing. And the problem that I have with this mentality of blessing being stuff is that that is not God's idea of true blessing. You want to know how I know that? I've been to foreign countries before that are not America. I've been to places that blessing doesn't mean having a Rolls Royce in the garage. Blessing means... I have food on the table and I have a roof over my head. 
where blessing means that I have a couple of pages of the Bible translated into my language and I survived another day holding on to these scriptures, having a church in a secret location because my government would kill me if they found out that I was having church and had two pages of the Bible. I'm blessed because I live to see another day. You see, we have very different definitions of what blessing is. So God's idea of blessing is not always what we try to put it in a box as, meaning having stuff, having prominence in society, and having a nice house and living in the right neighborhoods. Blessing, according to God, is a lot different than it is according to American ideology. And let me tell you a little bit about where I came from. I grew up in a church that actually was very geared towards having stuff being equated to being blessed. And that's what we meant when we said we were blessed. We meant we had a lot of stuff. And we would even go to the point of singing songs about money. And this is just where I grew up. We actually had a song in our worship set called Money Cometh to Me. And we sang it, went a little something like this. Money cometh to me, money cometh to me, for the sake of the gospel, money cometh to me. And then the bridge of the song would go, money, money cometh. And then we would point the microphone back at the crowd and they would say, money, money cometh. Then we'd go, money, money cometh, money, money cometh for the sake of the gospel, money cometh to me. And that's what I grew up hearing. That's what I grew up thinking. And I thought it was normal. We grew up, I grew up in a church where it was a regular thing for the pastor to say something like this. There's a, there's a window in the spirit right now for the next 30 seconds that there's 10 people that are supposed to give $1,000 a piece and you need to be obedient. Write that check and bring it up here to me right now. And if you do, there's going to be a special blessing of stuff waiting for you. And that's what I grew up believing. I grew up very materialistic in the sense of God is wanting to give me all of this stuff to show me that He loves me and He's blessing me. That's a very... Americanized, very selfish, very distorted view of what blessing is. So here's what I'm not going to do. I am not going to teach you a give-to-get mentality or a message that somehow glorifies greed instead of glorifies God. I refuse to ever teach a perverted message of God's holy word in order to dilute the power of the cross and the gospel as a means of fleshly, selfish gain. Because God knows something about money. And he talks about it a lot. And you want to know why God knows something about money? Because he knows money is directly connected to our hearts. Amen? It's directly connected to our heart. You can look at what someone owns, what they spend their money on. And you can see a little bit of who they are. If you have your Bible this morning, go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we're going to look in verse 31. These are the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12 and verse 31. He says this, Luke 12 and 31. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. You see, what Jesus was saying was, seek first, as Matthew puts it, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. You know, God never taught us in his word to seek after things. He told us to seek his kingdom first and then things would be added. He said, don't you know that if I take care of the birds of the air, if I take care of the flowers in the field which are here today and gone tomorrow, don't you think you matter so much more than those things? So don't seek things. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and he will take care of the rest. So first and foremost, he wants us to seek his kingdom. And how do we do that? How do we seek his kingdom? Well, he tells us in verse 33. He says, to sell what you have and give alms. In other words, what is he saying? He's saying, be generous. Have a generous heart because we need to understand that the Father has a generous heart. And if we're to model his love towards us in the fact that he gave his only begotten son, then we are to be givers who are generous because it's in our heart. And that will reflect how we approach our money and how we handle our money because he said where your treasure is, where your money is, that's where your heart is going to be also. He said, so invest in things that are eternal, that have eternal ramifications because we have things here that we invest in that we may put above something that has eternal ramifications. We were in Arkansas for the funeral and my wife's uncle has a really nice Mercedes Benz. Nothing wrong with having nice cars, nice houses, nice things. Absolutely, God does not have a problem with you having nice stuff. So God doesn't have a problem with him having this Mercedes Benz. But let me tell you what happened while we were down there. His Mercedes has this feature on it where you push this button and it goes into sport mode. And when you put it in sport mode, it goes and it lowers down to the ground. Pretty cool, right? This car, and so he was showing all of us sport mode. So Holly's uncle pushes the button. What he didn't realize is that the restaurant we were parked out in front of had those little concrete blocks. And he went sport mode on top of the concrete block. And whoever's job it was to nail down the concrete block didn't nail it down all the way because the spike was still sticking up out of that concrete block. And he went to back up in sport mode. And the front end of his Mercedes went, boom, just completely came off. I saw it happen right in front of my eyes. And I was like... Oh, snap. <laughs> now, he got it put back on. It didn't ruin the car, but I was just thinking, this is something that was just ruined that quickly. Something that was just messed up that quickly. I mean, a lot of us, you know, we may even have cars that, you know, they, they have rust underneath, and they may have rust on the outside as well. <laughs> hey, but, you know, that car didn't always have rust on it. You know, one day there were, that car was looking sharp and somebody was driving it around showing their friends, <laughs> cranking the stereo up, look at my new car. They're so proud of it. Maybe you're the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh owner. And now what someone was once proud of, what someone once was happy about, what once brought someone a little bit of joy now brings you a headache. <laughs> Why? Because stuff corrodes. It breaks down. It wears out. Why? Because it's not eternal. It's not going to last. No matter how clean you try to keep it, no matter how many times you do the underwash at the, drive, at, at the car wash, things happen where stuff breaks and it corrodes because it's not eternal. And Jesus said to invest 
and be generous in things that are eternal. Not things that moth can corrupt. Not things that a thief could come and steal. But actually, he said, if you invest in things that are eternal, a moth can't corrupt it and a thief can't take it away. It's going to last forever. And money's directly connected to our heart because it shows what we really care about, shows what we're really interested in. And if we are generous and we understand the generosity of God, and that's a part of who we are, then we are going to be generous because we understand it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we're going to understand about investing in eternal things and putting His kingdom first. That's when He says, where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be too. So He's asking us to look inside of our heart because God looks inside of our heart. Amen? Amen. So where is your heart? Where is your heart? Do we have a generous heart or do we have a fearful, selfish heart? Sometimes we allow fear to control the way that we approach our money. We're always afraid of what we're going to lose. And so we're not very generous. And so we don't really understand exactly what it is that we need to do when it comes to approaching money because we're just trying to take care of ourselves. I'm just trying to barely hang on. I'm not even thinking about being generous. I need somebody to be generous to me. And I'm thinking, wow, I, I need some help because I'm struggling and, and everything's so tight and it's so hard. But here's the difference. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 26, the Apostle Paul quotes one of the psalmists when he says this. He said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So we need to understand that everything, somebody say everything, everything. belongs to God, not you. Everything belongs to God, not you, not me. We need to understand that. Our attitude towards money has to be, this isn't ours. In other words, everything you own isn't yours, it belongs to God. I buy my kids toys. But guess what? I let them use the toys I bought. They're mine. That's my little pony. <laughs> That's my WWE action figure. You're getting to use it. I'm the one who calls the shots. If you don't treat it right, then guess what? I have had to take my toys back from the children before and say, you're grounded from toys until you learn how to treat them properly. And I, they're really mine. And that's how it is with God. He's the Father. All of this is His. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. It's not mine. We have to understand who the real owner is. We have to understand who the real owner is. I need a couple of people to come up here and help me for a minute. Derek, will you help me? Stacy, will you help me? Will you come up here for a minute? Come up here on stage. <laughs> Take that step. All right. I'm going to let, Derek is, is, is going to be like us. I'm going to give you this money, but listen, this is my money. When we're done with this illustration, I get this back. All right, there we go. All right, I'm going to let you hold on to a $50 bill. Stacy, you are going to be the bank, all right? What we expect from the bank is for the bank to be 
our manager of our money. We expect the bank to give us interest on our money. You're not going to get a lot of interest on 50 bucks, but hey, something's better than nothing. Um, you know, when we give money to the bank, you know, Derek has worked hard for this money. Derek has, uh, he, he, he's, he's, he's been working and sweating out there, and he's been dealing with all these crazy construction guys out there in Milwaukee. They're putting in the zoo interchange thing, and it's crazy, and he's frustrated, and then he finally gets money. He goes, oh, this is better. I've worked for this. I've earned this. This is mine. And then, what does he do? He takes it and he hands it to the banker. Now, the banker has the money now. The banker's entrusted with this money to manage this money, to take care of this money. And when Derek needs something from the bank, he goes through the drive through window and he goes and sees the teller. Could be lovely Miss Stacy here. And she goes, oh no, you mean you want to take money away? You mean you want me to give you this money back? You mean you want me to, to give you this? Oh, I thought you gave this to me. I thought this was mine. But he's saying, no, this is my money, right? That's what you would say to the banker. Amen, somebody. Amen. My money, you're giving it to me right now. That's what we would say. But actually, this isn't you and me, and this isn't actually the banker. This actually represents the position of God, and the banker actually represents the position of me and you. You see... God has called us to be stewards. He has called us to be managers of his money, of his stuff. He has given it to us to do what with? To manage. Thank you, guys, both. Will you give them a hand? Yeah, you got, you got to let it go, sis. You got to let it go. Thank you. Does that help anybody? He, he's, he's given us money to manage. A lot of times the problem is, is, is that we think that we're the owner, and we're not. It's all God's. Go to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Let me show you something here. Matthew, chapter 25, and verse 14. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, and he called his servants, and he delivered his goods to them. One he gave five talents to another two, and another one, each one according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Now stop right there. Let's clarify what a talent is, okay? A talent is not like I can do the splits or I can do a backflip or I can rub my stomach and pat my head at the same time. It's not like that. A talent is a denomination of money, a significant denomination of money. A talent was comprised of 60 denarius, okay? And a denarius was the average day pay for a blue-collar worker. So like if you were a soldier or if you were a blacksmith, um, you were a blue-collar worker, you would get paid one denarius a day. And the talent is 60 of those combined. So this is 60 days' worth of wages. So this isn't just a little, you know, chump change. This is a good chunk of money. And he has given these talents to these guys to manage. And then he goes away, gives one guy five, one guy two, and one guy one. He said each one according to his ability. His ability to what? To manage. Okay? He said... You can manage this much, you can manage this much, you, you can manage this much. Now, verse uh, 15, uh, I'm sorry, verse 16 says, He who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five talents. And likewise, he would receive two, gain two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground, and he actually hid it. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The one who had five, he had made five more. And the master said, you've done well, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had received two talents, came and made two more. And he said, you also did well. He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. And then the last guy, he comes to him, verse 24. 
He who had received the one talent, he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I want you to remember this. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here, take it back. Have what's yours. But the Lord answered him and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown. I gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to the one that has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what I want you to see here is that there is a completely different train of thought with this guy who has one talent. The money belonged to the master, but the manager, the problem was, was that he assumed that he was now the owner. And it reflected, how he handled the money reflected how he perceived the master. Because what did he say when the master came back? He said, I knew, I perceived you were a hard man. And so because of that, I would rather avoid conflict and I would rather just give you back what's yours because I perceived you to be a hard man. How you perceive God is a direct reflection of how you're going to handle money. It is just true. How you handle your money is a direct reflection of your perception of God. It's how you look at Him. It's the level of trust that you have with Him. The wicked and lazy servant was motivated by fear. And fear directs a lot of people when it comes to money. That's what it does. Fear is a lack of trust in God because it assumes I'm the owner. It assumes I'm the one in control. I'm the owner. That's why people don't give in church. That's why people don't give to others. Because they get more concerned about what they're going to lose and they're motivated by fear. Because that's their perception of God. They don't perceive God as being faithful. They don't perceive God as being faithful to His Word where He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. No, we say, no, I need stuff. And then if I have any left over once I accumulate all my stuff, then we'll see about giving to God or giving to others or trusting in Him. It's how we perceive Him. It's how we view God. Here's the thing, folks. If our lives are ever going to glorify God, we need to learn to be good stewards of what doesn't belong to us. We need to stop living tight-fisted out of fear. Because the good thing about living tight-fisted is that nothing goes out, but nothing goes in either. I'm tight-fisted out of fear of what I'm going to lose. I'm tight-fisted out of fear of what's going to happen because I need to take care of me and my own. But yet if I live with an open hand and I live generously and I'm giving to others and I live with a generous heart, it shows that I trust God and now not only does it go out of my hand but also it can come in my hand, right? Because I realize this stuff isn't mine. The stuff that he's blessed me with, that he's given to me, the job that he's blessed me with, these things aren't mine. I'm just a manager. I'm just a steward. So Lord, here it is. It's yours. I give it to you. I trust you. That's how I perceive you. That's how I see you. And I see you as generous and I give generously. 
You see, guys, more money seldom solves money problems, but intelligence does. You know, more money, more problems, right? <laughs> more money is not always the answer. It seldom solves money problems, but intelligence does because being a good steward means I'm intelligent with what I've been given. And I learn how to properly manage what is in my hand. That's part of the reason we're doing the momentum project like I talked about earlier in the message. We're wanting to be good stewards of what we have before we just jump out and buy a new shiny toy. Help us all, God, to be managers of what you have given us. Help us to be smarter by growing in what your word teaches us when it comes to money. Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a great book. I'm on about my 10th time reading it right now. I love that book. I think it's a fantastic book. He says this, high emotions tend to lead towards poor financial intelligence. In other words, if the emotion of fear is driving you when it comes to money, you're going to make bad financial decisions. If the emotion of emptiness and I need, have to have this is driving you, then you're going to make dumb financial decisions. And all of us have made dumb financial decisions at some point, and we've all got the t-shirts and the battle scars to prove it. <laughs> I don't want those t-shirts anymore. Don't know about you. But let me tell you something, guys. When we are motivated by emotion, we're always led down a stupid path. And we have to pay what Dave Ramsey calls a stupid tax. <laughs> because we end up paying for dumb decisions that we made financially because we didn't know how to approach money. I remember when we were in Oklahoma, there was a couple, this was about 10 years ago or so, there was this couple in our church that they were really strapped and struggling financially, up to debt, you know, up, up to their eyeballs in debt, and they were just really struggling. And good people, but always struggling, and they let everybody know about it. They were always telling everybody their business. Well, one night, we were having worship practice, and they were on the worship team, and they both came, this husband and wife. And they said, I just got to share something before we get started. My husband and I were feeling down today. We were really struggling, you know, because we've just been under so much financial pressure. It's just been so hard. So we just had to go splurge and make ourselves feel better. So we dropped $200 on new music and went and bought a bunch of new CDs. And boy, I tell you what, you just got to do that every now and then. Don't you know? And I'm sitting there going, what? You mean to tell me that in order for me to find peace and joy which is what was lacking because stress was present, so peace and joy were gone. You mean to tell me to find peace and joy, I had to go do the very act that got me into the place where I was stressed out and didn't have peace and joy in the, same, in the first place. I had to go spend money with credit cards, no doubt, to buy things to make me temporarily feel better, but yet when the bill comes in, the stress is going to return, and what do I do to make myself feel better? I've got to go out and spend some more. Folks, that's a crazy cycle that if we don't stop repeating, we're never going to move ahead. We're always going to be looking for someone to bail us out. We look to God to bail us out. We look to friends, family members, our employers, everybody. Bail me out because I've made poor decisions. Sometimes God does bail us out out of terrible situations. 
Sometimes we do have those things that come through. And thank God for those things. But you can't live on a wing of hope and a prayer bouncing from chaos, from crisis to crisis to crisis. Amen, somebody? That's going to get old really quick. So we better learn how to manage what we have. Because God gave to each one according to his own ability. Because we need to understand that money is a tool. It is a tool that we've been given. It's a tool that's to be used for God's glory. If we're living beyond our means because we want toys we can't afford, then we're not glorifying God. We're glorifying our flesh by feeding our greed and our selfishness. Don't look at your budget and make decisions based off of can we afford the payment? Because then you're going to stretch yourself so thin that you're going to be living paycheck to paycheck and you're going to have a lot of things in your home, but you're not going to have peace in your home because you're so strapped that you can't even think about being generous because you're so concerned about paying for all of the stuff that you have accumulated. All of the stuff that, folks, it's just going to rust and rot and be somebody else's trash one day. But yet we're stressing ourselves out, looking for peace. You know, the two things that I hear all of the time when I have to do marriage counseling is money problems and sex. Those are the two biggest issues that we hear all of the time when it comes to divorce, when it comes to stress, when it comes to problems, are those two things in relationships. We just got through doing a marriage series, so now we're talking about money. Because I want you guys to understand God's desire so we can all grow in what He wants for us and how we can live our lives in a way that's going to bring His glory. And we, we're going to do that when we learn how to be managers of what is His. It's His money, and it's a tool to bring Him glory. So here's the thing. The best managers in the world want to add more value to what the owner has entrusted them with. That's what the best managers want to do. They want to take what's been given to them, what's been entrusted to them, and they want to add more value to it. Think about the people in companies that get promotions, the managers that move up. Why do they move up? Because they've been faithful and added value to what they've been entrusted with. Those are the best managers. And you and I are managers or stewards of what God has given us. We know God is a giver. We know that God is the best giver of all because He did what for us? John 3.16 is about as far as you have to look. For God so loved the world that He, that he gave. That's right. What did He give? He gave His best. Amen? He gave us Jesus, His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. Folks, that is the best Thing we could ever get. That's why that person that's in that third world country that's persecuted for, for believing in Jesus doesn't mind putting their life on the line and their family in danger because they may have two pages of the Bible in their possession. Why? Because Christ has become enough for them. They're blessed because they have Jesus. He's all they need. He's all they want. There is nothing left to gain. He is the 
biggest and best blessing we could ever have received. Because apart from him, we're dead. Amen? Yeah. We're guilty of sin. We're guilty of death. But Christ has redeemed us. Christ has made everything right. And God gave us that gift. And God wants us to manage our money in a way that we can be a giver. In a way that we can position ourselves to be a giver. So let me ask you this question this morning. Are you taking steps toward being a giver? Are you taking those steps in that right direction to being a giver? Are you taking steps to live your life with an open hand? To where you're truly understanding it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, that we are just stewards of what God has entrusted us with and given to us? People who live with an open hand understand that what they've been given is not theirs. And they position their lives to be a blessing to others to show the greatness of God. These are the people who have the peace and joy that money can't buy. The peace and joy that lasts. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, I've been hungry and I've been full. I've been rich and I've been poor. I've been celebrated and welcomed into the courts of kings and I had to run for my life. But yet in all things, I can do all of this through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, Christ is the center point. Jesus is the center point. Jesus is the one that keeps him going. Not the paycheck. Amen? Amen. Jesus is the one who keeps him going. Not the fact that he gets celebrated. Jesus is the one who gets him going. Not how full or empty his stomach is. Because Christ has become enough. I want to give you a few things this week in closing. You can write these down if you would like, just to help you remember some of these principles this week. The first thing is don't allow your emotions to dictate how you manage your money. We know we're going to get in trouble when we allow our emotions to dictate how we manage our money. I'll tell you what, let me give you a good piece of advice that I had to learn the hard way. If you get excited about buying something, sleep on it. And then if you're still undecided and you're not 100% confident, sleep on it some more. You'll be glad you did. Amen? Don't allow your emotions to dictate. Don't let fear dictate how you manage your money. Second thing, position yourself to give because you're generous. Not because you're afraid. Not because you're greedy. Not out of obligation. Not because you're singing money cometh to me like we did when the church I grew up in. No, I'm, I'm, I'm generous. That's why I'm giving. Because I understand I'm laying up treasures in heaven. I'm investing in eternal things. Things that have eternal reward, eternal ramification. I'm investing in things that could be having an impact on someone's eternity. Man, that is weighty. That is a heavy statement right there. I'm giving and investing in something that could have an influence and impact on someone's eternity. Not because I'm afraid, not because I'm greedy, not because I feel obligated. But because I'm generous. Because God was generous in giving His Son. Third thing. This week I want you to ask God to show you an opportunity to give, to be generous, to be a blessing. I guarantee you, if you ask God to show you an opportunity, something's going to come your way. I, I go to Starbucks sometimes, and occasionally when I drive through Starbucks, 
person at the window will say, oh, the person ahead of you paid for your drink or whatever. And I'm going, what? That is awesome. Have you guys ever had that happen to you? You guys just aren't walking in the favor of the Lord? What? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's because I'm a pastor. No, I'm kidding. That's bad. Boo. Okay. Uh, I'm joking. I'm kidding. But that's happened to me. And I think, how cool. That's not a big deal. That's not a big deal for something like that to happen, you know, but for you to do something like that. Just to be a blessing to someone, just to have that generous heart, to begin to embrace the generosity of God and allow how you perceive Him to be reflected in how you handle your money. To be smart with what you have, to be wise, to be a good steward. Fourth thing is this, God's a giver. He gave first. He gave first. Remember the example of Derek and... I'm sorry, Stacy. <laughs> Derek and Stacy up here earlier. Remember that he's given it to us to manage, to take care of. And we need to manage what belongs to him. Amen, somebody? Amen. I hope this has helped you today. Let's Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.